So this morning, I would like to take you on a journey. So I'm going to ask you to do a little something special. Um, if, if you're better to visualize with your eyes closed, close your eyes. We're going to go on a little journey. And it starts, it's a Saturday night. And you're sitting at your dining room table at home. You're sitting. And, you know, you get that uh, Saturday night craving. So you're going to get yourself a piece of bread. So you have a piece of bread, you put a little jam on the bread, and you're about to, and I don't know if you ever felt that way, but you're about to bite into it. But then something strange happens. Something strange happens, the bread becomes warm. By itself, it becomes warm. And it starts shining, it becomes a shining light, and it starts floating in the air by itself. And now you're amazed, you're like, what's going on? And the, the, the bread that's now a light... It's floating, and it, so you follow it, and it goes to your front door. And you see your front door, and your front door changes to whatever color it is, and it becomes old wood. It becomes like old, old wood. And then you hear knock, knock at the door. You hear a knock at the door. You open, yet you're, you're afraid, but you know, you're intrigued. So you open the door, and you see an old man with long hair and a, and a shepherd's, uh, and it's a shepherd. And he has like little sheep around him and he's holding a stick and he says, follow me. So you follow him and little do you know, before you know it, you find yourself at a cemetery. You're like, what in the world am I doing at a cemetery? And you're across the street from the cemetery. You're like, what's going on? And a nice Ferrari comes, right? The nice Ferrari comes and vroom, and it stops in front of you. And sitting in the front seats, the two front seats, you see Kobe Bryant and Chadwick Boseman. You're like, what? Like, and Kobe turns to you and says, yeah, we're back. Get in. So now you're intrigued. You get in the car, and now they start going on that road. But that road becomes narrow and narrow and narrow. And if you know Kobe, Kobe ain't stopping. He's going full speed. So now you get a little afraid and, and he's going full speed. So now you see there's a lot of trees. So you decide to jump out of the car and you grab a branch of the tree and you're hanging for your life. But it's one of those vine trees, right? So now you're all entangled in the vine. But you find it comfortable. And then you decide, okay, you know what? I'm just going to chill here for a little bit. It's quiet. And you just decide to chill here. Amen. You're like, what is this story all about? Now, let's see if you can remember the story. You're sitting at your dining room table, and what do you have in your hand? A piece of bread. And what happens to the bread? It becomes a light. And where does the light take you? To the door. And what happens to the door? And what's behind the door? And now, where does the shepherd lead you? And then what comes out of the cemetery? Which is which has who? And, and those are two celebrities that we know passed away, but now they're alive. And then what happens when you get in the Ferrari? You drive down a what? A narrow road. And then what's the last thing you do? Congratulations. You just remembered the seven IMs of the book of John. And this is our new series where, so we had the persuasive signs. 
In the book of John, John wrote his book, he says, so that we might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And in the book of John, there are seven statements where Jesus says, I am, and then he follows it by a metaphor. So the first one is, I am the bread of life, the bread. And then he says, I am the light of the world. And then he says, I am the gate. And then he says, I am the good shepherd. And then what would be number five, if you follow with me, when you're at the cemetery, he says what? I am the resurrection and the life. And then number six, on the narrow road, I am the way, the truth, and the life, right? The narrow way. And then the last one where you jump in the tree and it's like a, a vine, I am the vine. Those are the seven statements of I am that Jesus says. So if you remember them, give yourself a hand. You guys did good. And so we snuck it up on you a little bit um, at the revival. What was the theme of the re- revival? Illuminate. Illuminate, which was based on I am the light of the world. So in the next few weeks, we'll see the, the, the following I am's, and we will conclude with the first one, the um, I am the bread of life. So today, what we have in front of us is Jesus saying, I am the gate. So if you would please follow with me in John chapter 10, verse 1 to 10. And he says, very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate, but climbs in some other way, is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and he sh- and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes, he goes on ahead and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. Jesus used this figure of speech, but the Pharisees, Pharisees did not understand what he was telling them. Therefore, Jesus said again, very truly I tell you, I am the gate of the sheep. All who have come before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep have not listened to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. They will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. God's word is already blessed. Amen. So what we have before us this morning, we're going to focus on verse 9 and verse 10. And first, I'd like to focus to the first two words, I am. And I know you guys are Bible scholars, but there is a lot of meaning in those two words, I am. And what Jesus refers to is, I am God, And you say, okay, well, Dave, I say I am a lot. But you have to understand that in the context of the Bible, the one person that is the I am is the God Almighty. If you follow with me in Exodus chapter 3, verse 17 and 18, that's when Moses is, is, is standing the sheep and he sees a burning bush. And the burning bush um, is God. 
calling, God is calling Moses to go back to Egypt to set the people free, right? So he's going to have a mission from God. And, and now, but Moses is a little scared. And he says, uh, he says to God, okay, well, suppose I go to the Israelites and I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? What should I tell them? And then God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you will say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. When I was in seminary and you you study the name of God, you find that the name Jehovah is the same root of the verb I am. He is the one that is ever existing. So that's why if you look in the English Bible, you will see the Lord, right? L-O-R-D in capital letters. But if you've been to the Haitian church, what do they say in the Haitian church, right? What do they say in Creole when they talk about the Lord? L'éternel, right? L'éternel. Like we say what? Bénissois? All right, Benisoa l'Eternel, right? L'Eternel means the everlasting one, right? He's the one that is always in existence. And and, and then it's funny because you would have thought that Moses, a man of of God, he wasn't quite yet, but those are the people of God, that they would know the name of their God. Well, they would know the identity of their God, but after 400 years of slavery, they forgot. They forgot who they were serving. And I'm afraid that now we're in a generation that maybe forgot who is the God that we're serving. Yeah, we forgot who is the one that we're serving. We call ourselves Christian, but sometimes the Christ that we serve is, is a Christ that is limited, right? Is a Christ that reflects maybe the church we attend to. It reflects maybe the preachers that we go to. But I'm here to tell you that the Jesus that we serve is not a little God. He is the great God, the great I am. One of my favorite Christmas songs is Mary, Did You Know? And he says, maybe did you know that, you know, your son would walk on water, your son would do all those amazing things. But then he says, Mary, did you know when you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God? And then he says, he's the great I am. And, and so much that Jesus, at a certain point, he's arguing with the Pharisees, right? He, he, he's talking to the Pharisees and he tells the Pharisees, um, Abraham saw my day, and he rejoiced. And then, if you give me the next slide, in John chapter 8, verse 57, 58, the Pharisees go to Jesus and says, and say, come on, man, you're not yet 50 years old, they said to him, and you've seen Abraham? Very truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds, right? So they tried to stone him. Now, you would ask yourself, he said, before Abraham was, was even born, I am. And then they picked up stones to try to kill Jesus. Why would they do that? Why would you go as far as sticking stones and try to kill a guy? It's because they understood what Jesus was saying. When Jesus was saying before Abraham was even born, I am, Jesus was declaring, I am God Almighty. I am the God Almighty, the one that created the mountains, that's me. The one that created the sea and the depth of the sea and all the, uh, the whales and all the, the, the animals in the depths of the sea, that's me. The one that created the stars and the galaxies and the, uh, and the depths of the deep space nine, that's me. 
And they understood that. That's why they try to they try to kill him. And my question is, do we understand that? Do we understand that this is the God that we're serving? Do we understand that when we come to church and we worship, we're not worshiping a little God, worship, worshiping a great God. We're worshiping the God of all gods, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the one that reigns over everything. Now, if you understood that that's who you're serving, the little troubles that you have, you would bring them to him and you would open your mouth and worship because you're worshiping a great God which is Jesus Christ. And as such, as being the one that is the great God, he's the one that gives us access to heaven. If we go to the, um, the rest of the verse, he says, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He doesn't say, I am a gate. I am one of the options. Like, like, for instance, if you look at this room, there are like so many doors to come in the church, right? One, two, three, four, five, six, so many doors. But to go to heaven, there's only one door, Jesus Christ. There's only one door, Jesus Christ. And, and sometimes when we say that, people think that we're being prideful, that we're being uh, close-minded, that we're being all of that stuff. But, but that's not the case. That's not the case. We're actually not better than anybody else. We're not better than anybody else. And because we understand that we're not better than anybody else, and we understand that we messed up more than once, we understand that we need somebody to pay the price. And we cannot pay the price. And I, I, and I know I use that example all the time, and I'm going to use it one more time. If you have a doctor that does surgery and he heals a thousand people, Goes and kills someone. He goes out and he gets into an argument and he shoots somebody. Nobody sees. And then he goes on and, and, and heals another thousand people. And then DNA evidence shows that he was the murderer. What should happen to, the doc, to, that, to that doctor? Should he go free? Should he just, well, he saved a thousand people with his surgeries. He saved another thousand with his surgeries. Two thousand people. Should he pay for that, just that one life? And the answer is yes. He got to pay. He got to pay. We'll find another doctor, he got to pay. If it's your loved one that he took, he got to pay. But you know who's that doctor? We're all that doctor because we all messed up. And our good deeds do not pay for our bad deeds. And the only one that lived the perfect life, and that's why in the example I use, the door becomes old wood because the door was made on the old wooden cross when Jesus died on the cross. And the Bible said, he who knew no sin became sin. He became sin. So that means that my sins, your sins, went, traveled around time and went on him at the cross. And that's why that now we can go into heaven. Let me ask you, how many people here, you are convinced 100% you're going to heaven? Amen. Okay, if you're convinced you're going to heaven, let me hear amen. amen. If you know you're going to walk the pearly gates, let me hear amen. amen. You have that assurance because of Jesus Christ. And if you don't have that assurance, if you could not say this with full conviction in your heart, I'm going to invite you today to receive Christ. Here's what Acts chapter, chapter 4, 12 says. It says, 
Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Salvation is found in no one else. No one else. Now, I don't want to be mean to other people. I don't want to be mean to other faiths. But my only question is, who's paying? Who's paying the price of your sins? Moses couldn't pay them. David couldn't pay them. I can't pay them for you. I can't even pay my own. Jesus paid them. And that's why he is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father but through him. There is no other name by which, or no other name that was given by which we shall be saved. But it goes deeper than that. Jesus is not only the access to heaven. It is, he is the access to everything significant in your life. To anything significant. Every aspect of your life belongs to him. Every aspect of your life belongs to him. There's a saying that says there's not one inch of your life over which Jesus doesn't say mine. If you follow with me real quick in Revelation 3, verse 7 to 8. And those are the letters that um, in the book of Revelation, there's letters to seven churches. And this one to the church of Philadelphia, the angel writes and says, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my name. And I want to speak to you today, to the person that you feel that you have no strength. That you feel like, you know, you can't go on. You feel like this is it's lasting too long, this trial I'm going through. And you feel like you're powerless and that you have no strength. But look what he says to the church of Philadelphia. He says, I know that you feel you have no strength, but here's what I have. I know that you stayed faithful to my word. And because of that, I'm opening a door that nobody can shut. I'm opening a door that nobody can shut. You know, if God shut the door... You can kick on the door. You can knock on the door. The door is not going to break. It's not going to open. But if God opens a door for you, nobody can shut that door. If God opens a a door of employment, not even your own boss can shut that door. Your boss will call you in the office and he tries to fire you and says, he can't speak because God opened the door. And we all go through different things. We all go through situations. The rest of the psalm says what? He says, when I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil because you are with me. And what I'm trying to convey with you is that the blessing of God is not the amount of money you have in the bank. It's not even how healthy you are. That's not the blessing of God. The blessing of God is the presence of God. And if you have the presence of God, then the doors are going to open the doors that God wants to open because your steps are ordered by God. And he says, when I walk through the valley of shadow of death, we want if I run to the valley of shadow of death, right? Number one, we want an if, 
But the reality is, it's a when. I don't, I don't, I don't care how much you pray. I don't care how long, how many times you come to church. You are going to go through hard times. You are going to go through difficulties. We all have been through difficulties. Ask any older Christian. They're going to tell you there was a time in my life when everything was dark. There was a time in my life when I was walking in the shadow, the valley of shadow of death. And the Bible says, when I am walking, a walk is slow. A walk takes time. We don't want it to take time. When we're going through our times, we want them to be fast. We want it when I sprint, like when I, when I take my car and I'm 65 miles an hour through the valley shadow of death. I remember when we went to Camp Dovewood, and I think I shared that. Camp Dovewood, if you guys remember, those that came. It was a, a camp in the boondocks. And it felt like it was built in the 1800s, amen? And they never, they never got to the 21st century. So that was the camp. We had the least disciplined problems. You know why? Because when it's dark at night, it's pitch black. And it's in the woods, so ain't nobody, no Haitian coming out in the middle of the night. We're all staying in the cabins, and I remember I'm doing my round with my flashlight, and I walk, and I hear a little crick in the thing, boop, and you go fast. And that's how we want it, right? We want, when we're going through dark times, we want it to be fast. But the psalm says, when I walk through the valley of shadow of death, I fear no evil because you're with me. And the blessing is not in the positioning. The blessing is the presence of God. That's the blessing. And when you have the presence of God, you understand that he's the one that takes care of you. So that's why I'm not worried. I don't need, you don't need to worry about your bank. You don't need to be worried about this and that. All you have to be worried about is to keep the word of God and be with God because God will take care of you. God told me one day, if you take care of my children, I'll take care of your children. Psalm 23, 1 says, so the, the next part of the verse, he says about the sheep, he says, they will come in and go out and find pasture. The Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Psalm 23, 1 to 3. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leaves me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. He guides me along the right path for his name's sake. God will take care of you. And the question is, is as a sheep of God, can you listen to his voice? He says, my sheep, they listen to my voice. They know my voice. They're not going to follow a stranger. And so because they follow my voice, when I say we're going this way, they're going to go this way. When I go, they're going that way. I'm going to go that way. And I'm going to lead them to green pastures. The problem that we have sometimes is we don't want to listen to the word of God. We don't want to listen to the voice of God. We want to listen to our own voice because we think that we know better. And then when like the sheep, when we think that we know better, we go our own way and then we find ourselves in a ditch. And now when we're in the ditch, then we cry out to God. Now I'm telling you, you're going to have our times, but you don't have to create your own hard times. Right? You don't have to make your own hard times. You can avoid the ditch by listening to the voice of God. And how do you listen to the voice of God? You take that book that we call the Bible and you study it in and out. That's how God speaks. Yes, God can give you a revelation or whatnot. 
But he already gave you 66 books of Revelation. Let's start with the Revelation that you have in your hands. Before we cut to the Revelation that comes to a dream. And if you can trust that God is the one that takes care of you ultimately. Ultimately he's the one that he takes care of you. Then you will realize that he is the one that exceeds your expectations. See, sometimes our faith, and let me give you a key. You know, like Jesus is the door and he has the key. But you know what's the key to the key? The key to the key is faith. If you can believe, the whole book of John says it's so that you may believe. If you can believe in God, I guarantee you that whatever the level of belief you have, God is going to exceed it. See what he says in this last part of, of verse 10. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. Have it to the full. And if we go in the meaning of that word, perisos, like we'll do a little Greek this morning, it means all around excess, more than abundantly, beyond what is anticipated, exceeding expectation, going past the expected limit. See, you have a vision of your life that is this big. But I'm telling you this morning, this afternoon, if you give your life to Christ, not only in salvation, but in your day to day, God will exceed your expectation. He will do more and beyond what you can even think or imagine. You know, you, 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 you guys can be sick and what all you want is for the sickness to go away. But God can make it that not only the sickness go away, but that you're in full health and that you feel better now than you did 10 years ago. I know you're looking at the bank and the bank is funny. And yes, God can make the bill stop, but God can make not only the bill stop, but he can then provide so that you got more than enough for the bills and that you can now turn around and use that to bless other people. I know you're in a relationship and all you want is the, for the fighting to stop. And yes, he can make the fighting stop, but then he could take that relationship from a point of fighting to no fighting to a place where it's blossoming and, and, and growing and fulfilling. But the question is, do you believe? Do you believe? That's what the book of John is. The key to, 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 to the door is to faith. And guess what? Faith is manifested in worship. So I'm going to invite you to join us in worship and, and to bring that worry, to bring that thing that, that, that is closed door in front of you and to bring it to him and to watch him open the door before you. God bless you. Worship team.